Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, um, the Apostle Paul says in this verse, it says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. One, one of the themes that we started preaching on the beginning of the year was about what I call next-level discipleship. In other words, we understand discipleship at its basic level, where I call it Discipleship 101, where we are learning who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and who we are in Christ. That, that is, that's foundational, and, and it's necessary, and we preach that and continue to preach that. But having laid a foundation, having laid a foundation which is Christ, then God would have us to, to, to go on into, uh, you know, into, the next, into our call. What did God call you to do? And, and in fact, the reality is God called everybody to be a leader. Amen. To be an influencer for, for his kingdom. And so we have to allow the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit to develop in us the character of Jesus. And we, we, uh, and we, we move forward in that. But here it says being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Notice he's not really talking about righteousness itself. He's talking about the effect of righteousness, the fruits of righteousness, what comes out of righteousness. And, uh, and in reality, he's, he, he's using a, 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 a visual here to say that righteousness is like a tree. Righteousness is like a tree, and this tree bears fruit. And there's certain fruit that comes out on that tree. In the book of Isaiah chapter 61, in Isaiah 61, verse 3, in that scripture, the Bible says he calls the people of God, he calls them trees of righteousness. Trees of righteousness, and he says that which is the planting of the Lord. Right? In other words, it's what God did. It's God's work. It's God's grace. God did that. So the Bible says that we are trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And so if you're a tree, because you are that tree of righteousness, amen, then there's certain fruit that God has ordained that would uh, be, uh, we, be produced by that tree. And if we just study the Bible, we begin to identify what some of those fruits are. And one of those fruits, according to Paul's writing in the book of Romans, chapter, I think it's chapter 6, is the fruit of holiness. It's the fruit of holiness, having the right character of God and allowing God to build that into our life. But notice he said the fruits of righteousness, how, did it come, how does it produce? How is it produced in my life? It's produced by Jesus Christ. The fruits of righteousness, the development of character, doesn't come by hardship in your life. It doesn't come by pain in your life. It doesn't come by difficulty in your life. It comes through and by your connection with Jesus in which he pours himself into you and then you follow him and walk with him and, and you, you, you spend time with Jesus and you become like Christ. Amen. You become like Jesus. Say amen. amen. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, he says, and I'm reading this on Amplified. Turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. It said, have the roots of our being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him, being continued built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith. Amen. Just as you were taught and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. And so there is, uh, there, our roots go down deep into Jesus. 
Amen. Our roots go down deep into Jesus. So we, we focus on Jesus. How did you get saved? You got saved through Jesus. You got saved through the revelation of Jesus. Well, then there's a greater revelation of Jesus. There's a greater understanding of the gospel. There's a greater understanding of the covenant and the blood and the righteousness of God by faith. And we get established in that. Isaiah 54 says that we are established in righteousness. We get established in righteousness, and our roots go down deep into him. And in that place, we begin to produce fruit, the fruit of godliness, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of Christ-likeness, the fruit of Christian character, the fruit of right actions, the fruit of pure motives. Come on, say amen. Where we, our life is surrendered to Jesus, is surrendered to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. In Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, on Sunday, actually Wednesday night, I, I got into this verse a little bit, but let's put that verse up there. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And it's interesting, this verse, because it's talking about Paul's giving us a, a beautiful confession, and he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Now, what's interesting is, is that the, uh, the Greek word for I says, I am crucified with Christ. How many knows what the Greek word for I is? The Greek word for I is ego. Is what? Ego. So we, we, we could just drop the English and put the Greek in there. <laughs> and what would it say? Ego, I, ego is crucified with Christ. <laughs> Amen. Hello. I mean, having a, having a big head, you know, and thinking of yourself more highly than you ought and comparing yourself with other people and living your life in competition with other people in the church or in the kingdom of God, all of that dies. All of that dies. Crucified with Christ so that that old man, that old person that you used to be is now dead. Amen. That old person is dead, but nevertheless, you're alive. But it's not you, he said. He said, but it's not I. But the new me is Christ living in me. The new me is Christ living in me. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? Amen. And we submit and surrender ourselves to the grace, to the grace of God by the power of the Holy Ghost. Say amen. Now, Paul continues in Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, and I'm skipping, obviously, he said, and, and Paul here is talking about preachers, but I think if you're talking about preachers, I think it can be applied to anybody, right, in our Christian walk. He says, some indeed preach Christ, and what is their motive? Paul is saying there are people that are actually preaching Christ, and they have a bad motive, Right? Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. But he, then he said there are some good ones, a lot of good ones, amen, and, and some also of goodwill. So he said there are some that are actually preaching Christ, and they're preaching out of envy. Now, you take the word envy. The, what does the word envy mean? The word envy uh, is, uh, is, is, is covetousness. It's when, it's when what? It's when somebody else has something that you actually want, right? 
In other words, it's, it's envy, it's covetousness. Another word you could, use for, you could use for envy there, maybe that we'd be more familiar with, is exact one thing I've already said, and that is competition. In other words, they're, they're, they, they feel like it's a competition. Amen? I would just say something to everybody. If you're a teacher, if you're, a, if you're a, 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 on the praise team, or if you're on the altar team, or you're the pastor, or if you're the senior pastor, whoever you are, in the kingdom of God, in the, now listen, wait a minute. In the athletic world, in the athletic world, there, is, there has to be competition. There has to be. There has to be a winner, and there has to be a loser. Somebody is going to win the gold medal, and not everybody can win the gold medal. In athletics, there has to be, there has to be competition. In the business world, there is competition. Isn't that right? But in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, there's no place for competition. There's no place for competition. Amen. Because guess why? Because your gift makes room for you, and there's nobody that can take your place. Come on now. I'm going to tell you, there's nobody that can do what you do as good as you do. You are unique. You are created by God. You've got a unique expression. You have a unique blessing, and you're going to do your thing like nobody can do the thing that you do. Hallelujah. Amen. And so when you see somebody that may be in your same field and they're starting to excel, guess what you can do? You can rejoice with those that rejoice. You can rejoice that they're beginning to make progress in that area of their life. Hallelujah. Because them making progress isn't taken away from what God gave me. Hallelujah. I love the scripture that said rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Amen. I get happy with you when you succeed, and I can cry with you when uh, things didn't go well. Amen. Somebody said it's a whole lot easier to weep with those that weep than it is to rejoice with those that rejoice. In other words, you've got to feel good about somebody else's victories. You've got to feel good about somebody else's blessing. Hello. Amen. I mean, the whole limitation of the worldly mindset said there's only so much for everybody. And that if somebody got a lot of something, then they took part of yours. And that's a lie. It's unlimited. It's unlimited. Amen. We're sitting right here on 401. We're not in competition with Compass. We're not in competition with, with Hilltop. We're not in competition with Evangel. We pray for them. May they fulfill their destiny. May they do everything God called them to do. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, God put Cornerstone right here, and we've got a mission, and we've got a vision, and there's something God called us to do. Hallelujah. And we're not in competition with nobody. Hallelujah. So if I pray for these churches, I'm not taken away from what God's doing to me. We're joining hands in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And the devil's in trouble. I said the devil's in trouble. Because it's his mission to divide the churches. It's his mission to have us competing against each other and working against each other. Instead of taking hands in faith and say, together we're stronger. Together we're stronger. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I, <laughs> amen. When I, when I look, and we, we trust God for a visiting minister. 
Believe me, I'm looking for somebody that's way beyond me. Absolutely. Oh, Pastor, aren't you afraid they're going to take over? No. <laughs> Amen. They're going to pull me up. I'm going to a higher level. Hallelujah. Their gift is going to lift me. Hallelujah. And the next time I preach, I'm going to be at a different level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so whatever area of ministry that you are involved in, you absolutely have got to crucify that ego that says I'm in competition with everybody. It's a lie. The Bible says that they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Amen. Amen. He says some are preaching out of competition. Hallelujah. Man, it was a beautiful day in my life when I quit competing. Uh, yeah, I quit competing. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then is some even of envy and strife. Some are preaching, some are some are even preaching out of strife. Right? Can you imagine that? Preaching out of strife. Strife. You know, the, the word strife means, let me, let me give you a definition of strife. Y'all mind if I give you a definition of strife? It comes right out of the Bible. It's found in the, in the uh, i got to find it here. i got it written down here somewhere. <laughs> uh, somebody say hallelujah. Strife. Okay, it's Luke twenty two twenty four. Luke twenty two twenty four. The best way to define something in the Bible is read what the Bible says. Right? Luke chapter 22, verse 24. We can look at Webster, and that gives you a good definition, but this is real good. Luke 24, excuse me, what did I say? 22, 24. Yeah. And there was, he's talking about Jesus' own disciples. He said, and there was also a strife among them. So you got Peter, James, John, you know, Andrew, Philip, and all these guys, and there's a strife among them. What was the strife? They're arguing which one of them was the best. They're arguing which one was the count of the greatest. So strife, strife, what is strife? Strife is when you make waves because you want to be on top. You want to have the highest place, the highest position. You want to be the best. Amen. That's what strife is. So what are they arguing? Who's the best? Peter said, I'm the best. John said, no, you're not. I'm the best. <laughs> I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I can prophesy better than you. Yeah, I can heal the sick better than you, though. Yeah, but I, I, I tell you what, that sermon I preached the other night is better than anything you ever heard. Come on. I mean, they're just fighting among themselves as to who, who would be the greatest. And Jesus, the Bible said that was strife. Right? And so going back to the Scripture, Paul, Paul says, Paul says in the Scripture, Philippians, he said there are some that preach out of envy, competition, and strife. It's, the same, it's two words that describe some, some, somewhat the same thing, you know, competition and strife, which is we want, my intention here is to be, it's not a, it's not a striving for excellence. It's not a striving for excellence in your own gifting. It's a striving that says, I just want to be better than you. I just want to be higher than you. And it's carnal. Amen. It's carnal. So if I 
you, you put yourself in there, Galatians 2, 20, if I am crucified with Christ, I have no bias, I have no agenda. The only thing I want to do is what he told me to do. Amen. If he called me to be a to be some to be a doorkeeper, but I want to be the best doorkeeper, and I'm not going to compare myself being a doorkeeper with the guy that's singing on the platform. Amen. I'm doing what God told me to do. Amen. That's all. That's all I want to do. I don't want to be anything else. Amen. Hallelujah. I've seen some great preachers on TV, man. I'm blessed by their ministry, but I don't want to be them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, yeah, I want to learn from them and become more effective in my, my gift. But I don't, want to be, I don't want to be that person. Are you with me? And so Paul here is talking about having, he's talking about having pure motives. Having pure motives. And he says here in the scripture, he says, and he says, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, and some also out of goodwill. Verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. And so there has to be a purification of our motives. Motives have got to be pure. Amen. Motives have got to be pure. Now, when you continue on here in Philippians, let's just, let's just continue on here in the book of Philippians and go, go all the way to the end of that chapter. We're in chapter 1. I've got to find it real quick. Philippians chapter 1. Go to the end of that chapter. In verse 27, he says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So your conduct has got, has got to match your confession. Right? So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. Now the issue here is unity. Right? The envy and the strife he talked about was breaking the unity. It was breaking the unity. He said, I want, to, I want you to live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, so that when I hear, I hear what I'm going to hear about you is that you're standing fast in one spirit with one mind striving together. Let me say together. For the faith of the gospel. Now, I'm going to drop now down to verse to chapter 2, and I'll, I'll be finished in a few minutes here, to chapter 2. And he, he starts in verse, I'm going to skip all the way down to verse, uh, all the way down to verse 3. And he says this, let nothing be done. I'm reading from New King James. Let nothing be done. King James says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. And I'm reading New King James. New King James says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. All right, so, so I'm about ready to do something. I'm about ready to preach something. I'm about, ready to, I'm about ready to launch a ministry, right? I just, I just want to make sure before heaven, why am I doing this, right? Those of you that were at healing school know that we talked about two things, two tests about motive. Number one, you ask yourself before God, what do I really want? Now you can tell me what that is, and, and, and a lot of times you'll tell the preacher what you, what you know he needs to hear, right? 
or even tell people, you know, hey, I know, I know the right answer because I've read the Bible, so what do you really want? I really want this. But when you're alone, alone with nobody but you and God, and you look deep inside of your heart, and you ask, answer the question, what do I really want? What do I really want? And you let God deal with you at that level. You, you let God deal with you at that level. What do I really want? Because the fact is, according to this, there are people that want other things, actually. Now, what should they do? They should get a hold of Galatians 2.20 and find themselves on altars somewhere and realize that you, you should do nothing. You should do nothing until, aided by the Holy Spirit, you lay your life on the altar. Until that, that part, that part of, of that, that part of you, that thing, is absolutely put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until you arise out of that place, and in all reality, from the inner part of you, what you really want is that Jesus should be glorified. That's what I really want. Now, you have to understand me, that's not human. I don't care who you are, that is not a human, that is not a human desire or reaction. That's a God thing that he's worked inside of you. Amen? That what I really want is for Jesus to be glorified. It's what John said, oh, that I might decrease, that he might increase. What I really want is for Jesus to be glorified. Amen. And so if that's what I really want, then he can tell me to do anything. <laughs> Amen. Be a doorkeeper, sing on the praise team, sweep the floors, clean the toilet. It doesn't matter. What I really want is for him to be glorified through my life. That's what I really want. Hallelujah. And I don't have I don't need anybody to see me do it. I can do that absolutely totally in the secret. And I don't it doesn't bother me a bit if people don't know. What I really want is for Jesus to be glorified. Paul said it's that he said that my God to be glorified in my body whether in life or death. What I really want is for God to be glorified. That's the first question. Second question is, is why do you really want it? Those are two questions that cut right to the heart. And those are only two questions you can, you, can, you, you can answer with you alone with God. Amen. But I'm telling you, listen, listen, listen. God, I'm going to tell you something about God. <laughs> I learned about the Lord. I'm going to tell you something I learned about the Lord. Right? And I learned from the Bible, but I became real, real, real strong in my, my heart. The Lord does not respond to what I do in public. He responds to what I do in secret. Yeah. Amen. I mean, think about that. Think about that in the Scripture. All right? Matthew, was it Matthew chapter 7? Jesus said, I think it's chapter 6. Jesus said, when you give alms, do it how? In secret. And your Father that does what? He sees in secret will reward you openly. 
God is not responding to me of who I am and what I'm saying publicly. God is responding to who I am privately. He said, when you pray, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand out on the street corners and get everybody's attention and say, hey, guys, I'm about to pray. They look at me. I'm about to pray here. Jesus said, don't be like that. Jesus says what? Go into your closet. Go into your secret place where there's only one person sees you in that secret place, and that is God. God says what you do in secret, He said, I'm going to respond to openly. Amen? He said the same thing about fasting. He said, when you fast, he said, don't be like the hypocrites and tell everybody you're fasting. He said, wash your face so you don't have any appearance of fasting. Right? Why is that? Because if it's in secret, if it's in the private part of your life, that's what God is looking at. And God's responding to that. That's what God's responding to. Amen? He's not responding to who I am standing right here. He's responding to who I am when all the lights are off and the doors are closed and I'm alone. That's who God responds to. Because that's who I really am. Amen? Is the only way. Hallelujah. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Yeah? But, but which, which of you is God going to respond to? It's who you are in secret. Amen. It's who you are in secret. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You just bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I just want to thank you today, Lord, that your word is true. God, we submit and surrender and give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Lord, God, in Jesus' mighty name, I give you glory and I give you praise and give you honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Let's all stand together, please, everyone. Let's just lift our hands up to the Lord. Lifting our hands is not only a sign of our worship, but it's a sign of surrender. Hallelujah. We're saved by His grace. But now our roots go down deep into Him. Hallelujah. Trees of righteousness. But now we begin to produce the fruit of holiness and godliness and 